Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Two Teaspoons of Positivity. We are at season two, and I am a liar <laughs> because I promised that I'll try to upload every single day, but I didn't live up to that. So I sincerely apologize for that. That's a lot of stuff came up, and I didn't have the time to uh, invest in in the podcast. That's all. Uh, going forward, I'll try to upload something every Friday because. I think my routine has uh, stabilized enough for me to do this on a weekly basis. And uh yeah. <coughs> Apart from that, I I would like to thank the two people who listened to the first episode of season 2. I I heard it I I reviewed it before and I reviewed it before uploading it and I realized that my voice is just almost inaudible so i'm trying to be a little louder i hope that's not a problem anymore so anyway uh i've i've exposited a lot i guess so let's start with our first story yeah Africa or technically the Indian Ocean but let's see a jewel of biodiversity is what scientists is how scientists are describing a newly discovered reef complex of the coast of East Africa where corals appear to be thri- thriving despite the climate crisis this reef is located off the coast of Tanzania in Africa and it's the stronghold sits in a rare ocean cool spot I don't know what that means. <laughs> This uh cool spot seems very uh 90s. I guess. Uh okay, so this spot protects corals and marine mammals from the impacts of climate change. So it's it, it's as strong as plot armor, I guess. <laughs> okay. The uh, scientists are calling for the site to be protected from fishing and nearby coastal developments. And we have a statement from Dr. Tim McClanahan. He's from the Wildlife Conservation Society. He says that this area could become an incredibly important sanctuary where marine species, big and small, will flock to find refuge from climate change. If well protected, this key transboundary uh, marine ecosystem will remain a jewel of biodiversity for the entire East African coast. So I looked it up. I I was a little curious. because Kenya and Tanzania of the coast of Kenya and Tanzania so <clears throat> my first uh, my first confusion was like where exactly is this because Kenya and Tanzania uh, Kenya especially is also neighbors with Somalia and Somalia has a history with uh, forced maritime trade also known as piracy so I I wanted to learn more about this so I just looked it up on Google Maps of all places and turns out it's next to Seychelles 
it's like right in seychelles backyard so uh, for those of you who don't know seychelles is a group of islands an archipelago if you will and it's made up of three major island groups if i remember correctly that's mahe pralin and um shaks ladig right mahe pralin mahe pralin and ladig and the reason why i know this is because uh i uh i have had 3 years of experience in freelance content writing and one of the first the way i broke into the industry or uh, and how i started working was by writing about seychelles so that and my bachelor's in tourism uh i think i can combine those two and provide anyone who's listening a decent package for seychelles so if you ever want to travel to seychelles just uh email me i guess <laughs> there's a i'll try to give as heavy a discount as i can just on the off chance that you're uh you are listening to this but yeah you do you do need to prove that you're listening to this <laughs> i want any freeloaders <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I sincerely apologize for that. Okay. Uh so yeah, this is this is very interesting. Uh it's uh it's necessary as well to protect this. Because maybe now now that uh, people know about this this uh, this area could be studied and I think if I was uh, being paid to somehow protect the environment or the coral reefs i would try to uh, understand the conditions that helped this helped create the school spot and then i'd try to see if i can replicate it in a controlled environment and then i would try to apply it to uh, other reefs around the world because this is this is just one of the one of those things that feels uh, like this feel like uh, deus ex machina I don't know why it feels uh, very it feels very convenient <laughs> given that uh, okay anyway never mind I'll be oh, never oh, shucks I should I should stop uh, double crossing myself okay so the point I'm trying to make is that it feels like uh, Okay so uh, let's take into account everything that happened recently right um, so let's start with the big thing that is the 5 year anniversary of the Paris climate agreement right so that happened and there are talks of the there are talks of a new member to the Paris climate agreement which is the US and then there's also the UK and and the uk the uk is making a lot of big splashes in terms of just uh, uk is making a lot of big splashes towards uh, to tackle climate change and there's also emmanuel macron who uh, i think he said something along the lines of i want uh, climate goals to be a part of the french constitution which is interesting right so all these uh progressive changes are happening and that's when we find this cool spot that's off the coast of Tanzania and Kenya and Somalia i guess no not no okay so just Tanzania and Kenya but yeah it's close to Somalia so it should have been 
spotted way before and it's it's like right next to Seychelles it's uh, okay so Seychelles would be to the east of this cool spot so yeah it it feels very convenient it feels like someone placed it there almost so maybe it's divine intervention maybe it isn't either way it's positive so yeah that's that's good i like it anyway let's move on to our next story agreement it didn't really have uh, any major breakthroughs in the race to reduce emissions but there were uh, smaller victories so the smaller victories being talked about here is about the UK uh, the UK co-hosted the event and the nation has vowed to stop funding foreign fossil fuel development this move comes after the UK government was accused of hypocrisy <laughs> having funneled 21 billion pounds of taxpayers money into overseas fossil fuel projects while preparing to host the COP26 climate summit wow that is a huge accusation and honestly i wouldn't put it past johnson boris johnson the prime minister i i i'm sorry i don't mean to uh, bash him like this but taking into account the things he has said and the way he uh, approaches certain issues it it's like uh, okay so i i was I, when i was when i read this for the first time i was trying to find a good analogy for it and the one i came up with is the way that the uk government this accusation and what i said about this accusation uh for me personally it feels like uh what would happen or no it feels like uh if freddy krueger started uploading uh, those uh hour long videos you know the uh, the videos uh, that have um background music of rain or white noise or something like that and it helps you sleep but it's for like 12 to 14 hours long usually it's like 8 hours but some people go for 24 24 48 hours i've seen 24 48 hour videos like i've seen the thumbnail and the timestamp so it feels like boris johnson uh oh, oh sorry the things that he does and the things that he says feels like uh the way i would feel if i saw freddy krueger uploading videos that help people sleep like given your track record i don't think i want to trust you that's all that's all it is i have i don't want to say anything more negative other than the fact that i don't trust him as someone who is tasked with governing the people that's all otherwise i don't really know him so i can't really say anything about him i hope that he is a great person just 
really fun to be around oh i i really hope that the sarcasm in my voice isn't as obvious but never mind okay so let's move on so uh, the eu has also made some fresh promises they have pledged to slash emissions by 55% uh, within the next 10 years that is a huge uh, that is a huge undertaking because there's 20 some 29 countries i think uh, how many nations in the eu oh god i feel Okay, twenty-seven. See, I was right. Twenty-nine, twenty-seven, twenty-seven member states, and a few other um, non-member states as well. I'm forgetting which ones. My professor will <laughs> kill me. <laughs> okay, so yeah, there are twenty-seven countries in the EU, twenty-seven uh, member states in the EU, and all of them have um, are in various stages of development. Right, if you go. to the north you'll find uh norway and norway and finland and similar countries and their level of development cannot and should not be compared to the level of development of states like estonia latvia and lithuania right so and based on the level of development uh the amount of carbon that they emit is also different right so the nordic nations would emit slightly or considerably less uh, carbon than these eastern european nations so to say or to claim that the that you can uh, slash emissions by 55% within the next 10 years would mean that the eu has policies or is working on policies that are going to tackle or that are going to create a level playing field for all the member nations because right now i feel like a lot of nations or um forgive me for being uh, candid here i feel like uh, the western uh, european nations so the the big ones that you usually hear about france germany Italy, Spain, and a few other Luxembourg, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so yeah, I feel like some nations are benefiting from or carry the whole image of the EU being a developed and progressive place to live, and uh, it feels like a lot of nations are just kept in the basement. <laughs> because they fairly hillbilly <laughs> you should use that term I'm so sorry but yeah they uh, i feel like a lot of nations in the in the european union are shunned or neglected because of either their history or because of um their current political climate or just outright um classism i guess or in this case statism that oh these eastern european nations they're just filthy no they're not <laughs> it's a really nice place to go to but uh yeah anyway um okay right i should come back to this um okay so another thing that happened is that lloyds the world's biggest insurance market announced that it will stop new insurance cover for coal oil sands and arctic energy projects by 2022 hmm that is 
interesting because for them to uh, set the time limit by 2022 means that they are currently in the process of um either providing or or in the in the middle of the paperwork for these energy projects but i don't think they are that many so they can uh clean up their act fairly quickly which is why they gave themselves the two year uh two year deadline so all of this is nice but i would be very um yeah i would be wary of what the uk does at least for the next few years because it's like uh how do i put this it's a lot like seeing Okay okay uh I'm assuming that everyone here knows uh Harry Potter yes from the books and the movies yeah okay so it would be uh the equivalent of seeing uh Voldemort advocate for uh free access to education like considering how racist a person Voldemort is given his whole uh, pure blood stance and everything it uh yeah you don't you shouldn't trust him <laughs> yeah he's saying something progressive and access to education is something that everyone should have but his image of access to education for all or uh his perception of the word all and your perception of the word all are different and his is worse <laughs> oh god i i i'm sorry i shouldn't nay no, i should i should Anyway, uh let's move on to our third story. Okay. So our next story uh was going to be about another about Netflix but I don't really want to talk about that cuz it doesn't seem positive it just seems like something that should have been done a long time ago <laughs> so for that reason I will be talking about a YouTuber and his uh efforts I guess so I think I've mentioned uh Jack Septicai before his uh his real name is Sean McLaughlin he's from ireland and his channel is called jack septicai for some reason and he does this uh, thing i think uh, every year he holds a thanks thank miss charity and thank thank miss charity live stream so he he stays on camera for like half the day i guess 12 hours or something and you can watch him get up to shenanigans uh, just play video games or talk about things and people uh, can donate uh, as much as they want or as little as they want and all the dona- all the donations go towards a single charity so this year the thankmus uh, holiday fundraising stream raised 1.4 million for red nose day Red Nose Day is a campaign to end child poverty, hunger and food insecurity. 
and he talked to i saw a bit of it i didn't really get to see the entire thing <laughs> because i had other things to do but uh, yeah it was nice uh, and he did so with okay, so the reason that uh, he's able to raise so much uh, by with just a little uh, in like days because thankmus was i think few days ago right i think it was december 13th yeah it was december 13th and i think his so the article that i'm reading uh, also has a link to the video that he uploaded okay uh, uh, so yeah i sincerely apologize if that uh, that cut was too abrupt i had to pause and check something okay so the video says the title of the video is if we hit 500000 dollars i will dye my hair green it's a thing between him and his audience about green hair and just natural hair uh, anyway so yeah it's he raised he i think live streamed for 10 hours which is uh, which is this draining like the thought of that is exhausting for me Okay, so uh, I recently, in the in the two month break, I appeared for a, in the two month break, I appeared for a lot of uh, interviews, and a lot of them had uh, Zoom calls, uh, interviews on Zoom, and they had group discussions and a few other activities, and you had to be on, uh, you had to be in front of the uh, webcam at all times, and those things were what thirty minutes to an hour at best. and i remember just uh, every single time i i appeared for one of those i cleared it but i failed i just had to say no in the second round or something because of some reason so the the point i'm trying to make is that those 30 minutes to an hour were so exhausting i remember just shutting the laptop down and just going to bed at 3 pm in the afternoon <laughs> oh They are to do that for ten hours straight as um, takes a lot of something. <laughs> It takes a lot out of you. Okay, so uh, as of now, this uh, this Thankmus uh, effort, I guess, has the Thankmus stream has raised four point six million. Now, at first when I read this article, I was like, how did how did he stream for ten hours and raise four point six million? What was he doing? So uh turns out that uh, he's using he uses uh, or he collaborates with this uh creator fundraising platform called Tiltify. So what he does is he starts his stream and he talks to other streamers as well and then they start their streams I think with him or just after him based on the time difference. And all of the streams that are going on that have that are working with the thank mustag all of their donations go towards red nose day so the 4.6 million were raised by 7500 creators so 7500 creators got together over the course of a few days i guess because of time difference and everything and they raised uh, 4.6 million or their audiences raised 4.6 million over the course of think 
that started on 13th so and today is right now it's the 19th that's oh shucks i completely forgot the time is 11:47 pm right now i think i started at um 11:38 11:39 i completely forgot i had to do that i feel so bad <laughs> i broke tradition oh god anyway yeah i i like this this is really nice the fact that uh because and not just because um it's it goes against the narrative that people have about gaming and how it causes violence and a lot of things and i i was going to say that i don't really agree but the recent game um uh, there's this game that came out uh, i think a few months ago the last of us 2 I I liked the story of the last of us one so I thought I'd watch the second one and the motion capture and the expressions of the characters are really to the point where it's extremely realistic and the problem with that is that I watched three different people uh, stream it because I don't really have the money right now to buy and play the game so I watched people play it and the thing that stood out to me was their reaction to the first time your character or the character that you are playing as kills another person and most of it is just a stealth kill so they hide behind them and either put them in a chokehold or something like that and everyone was uh visible uh, everyone was in visible discomfort and i think that i think at this level now that games have reached a level where they are able to mimic reality to the point where it becomes uncomfortable for us to watch someone kill another person i think this might be a good uh starting point for a genuine conversation about whether video games might um, influence or motivate other people to go out and do such things uh, last of us 2 doesn't do that <laughs> because it is very clear on where it stands on taking lives of others taking the lives of others because the whole story is about how violence is not the answer an eye for an eye will not grant you peace an eye for an eye will not grant you any sort of closure all you will do is drive away your friends and family and <laughs> at the end of the day you'll just lose yourself it is an extremely depressing story i don't really like it but i like the first one because it was about uh a guy who had lost his daughter and he found another kid to care for and then he had to make a decision of either letting that kid die for the greater good of humanity or to save her and let her live a normal life because at the end of the day she's just a kid the kids too should not be forced to uh, make such decisions for humanity and the second story picks up from that like the consequences of his decision 
to save the girl even though the girl specifically said that i did not wish to be saved i wanted to die and there's there's a lot of uh, baggage over there <laughs> but yeah uh, i sincerely apologize for the digression but uh, yeah it, it's it's nice that he does this and not only is he uh, donating and helping so many other people he's also setting a precedent so the people who follow him after he retires or after he uh, moves on to greener pastures or better prospects because i think he has a coffee company as well so chances are that he'll uh, like slowly stop producing videos and just focus on the coffee company so yeah there there will be someone uh, who will rise up to his levels of uh, responsibility and uh, i guess fame i'm not sure because at the end of the day they're on youtube <laughs> and yeah youtube is a big streaming platform and everything but like it's i don't see uh, okay so if we think, if you, if the way i see it celebrities are not the people who appear in movies they are still people right and we treat them like uh, we treat them like zoo animals for the most part because that's how we've been trained to see them or perceive them they are exotic creatures who rarely step out or uh, who rarely step out in public and they stand out like a sore thumb because of the sheer amount of work or the sheer or the contributions to popular media right i don't know if youtubers uh, usually have that because or maybe it's just me who doesn't really subscribe uh, doesn't really have uh, that many hours on youtube but yeah i don't think they face uh, that kind of scrutiny that kind of uh, fanfare i guess but i could be wrong i mean there is uh, pewdiepie i think that's what his name is i think uh, he has 100 million subscribers or something i read it somewhere so i think he might be subjected to that but i don't know if 25 million is um, it's still a big number i'm not trying to belittle him I'm saying, oh, he he has nothing. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, I think it might be a little easier for him than it is for people who have hundred million or more than hundred million subscribers, because of just the amount of people that know them, and that increases their chance of being uh, stopped and asked for photos and stuff, or just swapped by fans who want selfies and stuff. This is getting. <laughs> I'm realizing something that uh shucks that every single story is a little longer than the previous one I sincerely apologize for that this is a lot to cover I guess or I just have a lot lot to rant about anyway uh so yeah Jacksepticeye raised around 4.6 million Jacksepticeye collaborated with a ton of creators to to raise 4.6 million for the red nose day which tackles child hunger poverty food insecurity that's good it's nice we need that so anyway let's go to our final story for this for today
so our last story for the day comes to us from the UK again so UK blood donor rules are relaxed for gay and bisexual men so uh, it says here that current policy uh, limits uh, blood donation for sexually active men who sexually active gay or bisexual men uh, I'll just rephrase current policy means men who are sexually active with other men must abstain from sex for three months before giving blood now that is just garbage <laughs> because okay so uh, here's the thing uh, I think this is in the US as well that uh, gay people and just anyone who's not straight cannot donate blood I don't know why <laughs> because chances of them being uh, okay so I understand where it comes from it comes from the whole uh, paranoia that surrounded uh, AIDS and just anything that's not anyone that's not straight and I can I can see that uh, an argument can be made about how um, gay people are at higher risk for AIDS or something like that but you can just te- get them tested how difficult is that or just ask them to present papers that prove or just a blood test that proves that they don't have any sort of uh, blood uh, diseases that can be transmitted by, by blood why must they wait for three months when a straight person doesn't have to do that I know people who have donated blood and I know that they got laid. <laughs> oh God, I shouldn't be so crass. Uh, I shouldn't be so crass. I sincerely apologize for that. But uh, yeah, I, I know people who are straight and who donated blood and like they donated blood in the morning and at night they were busy. <laughs> Let's just say that. Or, okay. Uh, no, the, okay. So, and I think... Yeah, I've I've known two I've known two three people who just did it the night before, and then the next morning they were like, yeah, we we had to donate blood, and the only thing that saved them was the fact that they were a straight married couple. But it just doesn't make sense, even especially because uh, I I I I found uh, this issue when I was. Uh, writing about something and I did some digging and as of now I don't think there are any I haven't found any uh, substantial evidence uh, supported by the scientific community that specifically states that it is riskier to uh, receive blood donation from gay men who have had sex three months before or three days before they donated there is just no evidence for that. It is, it is just, it's just an old wives' tale. Anyway, uh, the NHS blood and tra- the NHS blood and transplant has announced that from next summer, anyone who has had the same sexual partner for more than three months will be able to donate, as so long as there is no known exposure to STIs, and that they are not using any anti-HIV drugs, PrEP or PEP. So in PrEP, both P's are capital. I don't know what that means. Can I look it up? I'll look it up. Let's see. What is PrEP? 
okay pre exposure prophylaxis it is a medicine used by people who are risk who are at risk for hiv and they take it to prevent getting hiv from sex or in- injection drug use okay but then can't they be tested for this it just feels uh, very draconian to ask people to not uh, to like control their their love life just because they want to donate blood it just makes no sense because at the end of the day if i am dying and the only person who has my blood type happens to be gay and they're very active on some they have a very active love life then i i wouldn't give a shit <laughs> i just want i just want to live <laughs> i don't care how whether they've had partners or not if they can save me that's good for them i th- i am very grateful that they stepped up and uh, helped me get through this but yeah this it just shows how many people how much uh certain people who control these policies it just shows that how little these people care about the entire community like they are willing to let people die as long as it means that they don't have to see or they don't have to live in a world where gay people can just help society it makes absolutely no sense it's just a waste of time and energy just let <laughs> it just it makes no sense it's okay so uh let's move on from the humanitarian perspective and go into uh, a more rational i guess so blood banks earn a lot based because they uh, we donate blood right we don't get anything from we don't get any monetary compensation for providing blood to blood banks all we get is some refreshments like oreos and orange juice or something like that right but when uh, blood banks uh, take the blood to hospitals they charge the hospitals they are earning money for selling a product that they uh, that they are getting for for free from the supplier that is unfair so okay uh, that is unfair for us the supplier right but from the perspective of the company would it not be useful to have more people donate blood irrespective of their sexuality right i mean if i was if i owned a blood bank i would want a, sh- a, a ton of people to like donate as much blood as they can i don't really have the time or the energy to care whether they're gay or bisexual or trans or whatever i don't care <laughs> i don't care i just want the blood <laughs> i sound like <laughs> uh, i sound like a money minded dracula <laughs> but yeah i don't think uh, companies can profit from this kind of uh, this kind of homophobia i guess Okay so a little bit is left it says here that the policy shift 
means donors donor risk assessments will be conducted on an individual basis rather than a population based one the move was welcomed as positive news by campaigners who claimed the current policy is discriminatory yes the current policy is discriminatory but this isn't exactly it's good news but it took a really long time for us to reach you an embarrassingly long time like if if usain bolt took 3 weeks to run 100 meters and we still called him the fastest man on the planet then i feel like that that reflects poorly on us more than it does on usain bolt so yeah i mean it's good news but at what cost <laughs> at what cost is it good news but no it's it's good news uh if i look at it from a positive perspective it's good i sincerely apologize for ranting it, i i i've lost people who needed blood but we didn't have anyone who matched the blood type and the that was the that was the one time when the blood group was the 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 hospital did not have the blood group or was uh, short i don't remember i was i was a little too young to understand the details but i remember how it felt and how helpless everyone looked that was not a good time and it really irritates me to see this to see this kind of bias because well we're debating on whether people who are not straight cannot cannot donate blood or should or should not should not donate blood people are dying and i've recently learned no i it's i've not recently i haven't recently learned this i've had this in my head for a while that every single life lost means if us a significant or not so insignificant part of a culture is just gone and the problem with that is that we've lost so many amazing stories because of this because of the fear of change is this is it just annoys me I, i'm sorry i'll stop talking about this i'll talk about whether this is a positive story or not it is a positive story because it sets a precedent and other countries can now follow in the footsteps of the uk and just not whether part that they vote for a brexit but uh, yeah it's good it's good it's i like that uh, they are trying to uh, appease the more conservative lawmakers while trying to push for a more inclusive uh, inclusive regulations again inclusive regulations for for blood donation and yeah if they can do it then other countries can do it as well and if a court case the the thing i the reason why i keep saying it sets a precedent is because a lot of people are rich enough to threaten uh, people who are doing or uh, who are uh, advocating for positive things or progressive things so people who have too much money can sue these other people and the 
fear of uh, having to pay for court uh, for lawyers and other things that can stop people dead in their tracks from doing something or from not doing something and that is a way a lot of these uh, a lot of companies and a lot of rich people uh, kind of um, warp the conversation or the public discourse around them i think an excellent excellent example of this would be i think the former president of the united states the 45th president because he has or he has had a uh, a history of just suing anyone who just thinks about him in a negative way and uh, the reason and the thing is that he loses every single case but he's rich enough or that's what we think i don't know i don't know about his finances his finances are very iffy so i don't know if i want to call him rich enough because chances are that he might not be but yeah he has had enough money to settle these cases and just provide compensation for the people who who he sued whom he sued but uh, yeah the fact that he can do that and the fact that people are scared of filing court cases or just doing anything is uh it's it's bad for society it's bad for everyone anyway i i, I sincerely apologize for getting so negative this is a good story this uh, this is a good step because the next logical step would be to just eliminate the whole 3 months clause and just ask people who are not straight to just present any papers or present any documentation or a blood test that proves that they don't have any sort of uh, transmittable uh, disease that's all the, i think yeah in the next uh, the next few years i think that's all you'll need for being able to donate blood no one's going to ask you if you're gay no one's going to ask you if you're bisexual no one's going to ask you if you're trans or ace they're just going to ask do you have a disease can it be transmitted through blood no no cool okay step right up we'll suck your blood <laughs> anyway i this has gone for 15 minutes now i sincerely apologize for that and that brings us to the end of our fourth story sorry for not being able to upload on a more regular basis i just things aren't exactly um panning out the way i expected them <laughs> but then that's that's uh, par for the course i guess but uh yeah i'll try i'll do my best to upload i think next friday because next friday i'm yeah i'm taking off uh, i mean I I am creating a gap in my routine on Fridays just to upload. So when I say Friday I mean uh Thursday around midnight. Because that's because right now it is what is it? It's Sunday at this point. Yes, it is 
it is 12:26 am right now it is sunday and i started the video on thursday uh, so i started the video i <laughs> started recording on thursday so yeah i'll 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 stop the i yeah. my brain is a little never mind okay thank you uh that was the end of our segment thank you so much for listening uh i hope you enjoyed it i tried to be a little louder and i don't know how that uh translated i'll have to check once the recording is done because i can see they there's um there are these weird squiggly lines that spike every time i speak but i don't really know how big the spikes are supposed to be in order to um kind of in order to not drown in order to not get drowned by the background music i don't really know <laughs> i am really sorry for that i am trying to improve and i hope you like this this one i hope you like listening to this episode and i hope you enjoy listening to the next one as well thank you so much for tuning in and now i am going to tune out bye bye